Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here. As always, and of course, we're going to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 2-1 win over Leeds United at Villa Park on Friday evening. Not sure if this is going to go out on the Sunday or as usual on the Monday. I guess I will decide that in the post-edit. But of course, we are joined by Mr. Tom Nightingale as well. So Tom, how's it going for you, my friend? Can't be too bad, really. Starting the weekend with a win. Not only a win, but Leeds... We all hate playing Leeds for whatever reason. Um, yeah, fantastic to win. As we said, you know, we said after the, thankfully I skipped out. We skipped out on the Stevenage defeat. Less said the better. I'm just, as far as I'm concerned, FA Cup didn't happen this year. Um, but we said after the Wolves game when we, you know, Villa weren't great at all, but hung in there and got a point. And we said, I think I said on the on the pod after that game, like when you don't play well, just don't lose the game. Today, I think we went one better. I didn't think we played very well. I didn't think we were terrible, but we weren't great, were we? There are large portions of the game where I felt like Leeds had the better of the play. Um, I don't... The second half, we controlled it relatively well and saw out the win okay, I think, despite despite them coming back into it with Bamford's goal. But um, if you can't play well, don't lose the game. If you can win the games that you don't play well, even better, right? Well, exactly. You're not going to please everyone. I think you'll get some portions of every football fan base that want liquid, entertaining, attacking football 24-7. You never concede. You score a million goals and it, it, it's happy days. But you know what? These kind of games come up throughout the season. And it, the ones that you can grind out in this manner where it's not pretty but effective, I think those are all probably worthwhile or worth more to me than some of the easier more pleasing victories at times because let's be honest Tom at times throughout our time as Villa fans there's been some very very piss poor performances and we've got nothing out of it this wasn't the greatest one but we got something out of it nonetheless but of course to run through a little bit of the match stats just to get everyone a little bit of a better idea uh, possession Villa uh, won that 54 percent to Leeds's 46th 11 shots to Leeds' 16. We had five on target. They had four, to be honest. It felt like they had much more for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe that's because they had some good opportunities at times, but could never really actually get them on target. Uh, We had zero corners, more interestingly enough, which, to be honest, absolutely slipped by me. Uh, Leeds had 11. Uh, Villa had 12 fouls to Leeds' 8. Um, aside from that, Tom, I did see a very annoyed Jesse Marsh after the game being asked um, by the Sky Sports um, presenter, basically, that all show but no bite, essentially, or no all bark but no bite, really, I guess is the way you could put it. There's a lot of attacking effort there, um, but nothing really came of it to his kind of... 
I don't know what word you want to say, amusement or whatever. He just kind of shook his head and said that was their best game. They deserve to win, yada, yada, yada. Um, what did you make of it? I I do think it, when we went 2-0 up, I, like, I thought this is robbery from Villa. Like, there's no way. That was never at any point a 2-0 two, a two to Aston Villa game. Um, I don't know. We d- I don't I don't think I particularly agree that Leeds deserve to win. Like obviously, Mark, like I understand why he's saying that. Like they had quite a lot of good good play or whatever, but um, I don't really think they deserve to win. Uh, it's one of those, like you say, I'm I'm de- I'm delighted for to Villa for Villa to have won that. It's probably I think my favorite type of Villa win is the Spur like the Spurs win from a few weeks ago when you go to a team who you're supposed to lose to and you play them off the park and you're full value for your win. And you come away and you don't get any credit because with Villa, all the talk is about how Spurs were shit, but and, you know, no talk about how Villa were good. That's my favorite type of win. My second favorite type of win is when you don't deserve to win and you win. And I think that was one. That was that was Friday night, I think. Um, we did grow into the game. Like I thought we were we were a lot I thought we were a, quite a lot better second half, because especially when, when we went 2-0 up, I know that it was it was it, it was very nervy. We were all fearing the worst when Every Aston Villa fan's favourite Leeds player, Patrick Bamford, scored. Um, but gen- generally, I thought Villa managed the game relatively well. Second half, I thought we defended pretty well. I have to say, I thought I thought Esri Concer and Tyrone Mings were excellent. I know Mings slipped that one time, and it's that thing, you know, when Mings slipped and they went three on three, and then Ashley Young came in with that fantastic last, last ditch challenge. It's the kind of thing you're watching it, and you know that like. If any other player for Villa slipped, then it would be, oh, it's unfortunate. <laughs> Ming slips. It's like, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> Always got a mistake in him. Like that was just really unlucky that he slipped then. Um, apart from that, I thought I thought Mings and Concert together were very good today. Ashley Young is an absolute phenomenon. Can we talk about Ashley Young for a minute? Like Let's go ahead. how is how is this guy 37 years old? He's 27, uh, Tom. I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> I, I've said it before, like probably four or five times now. He is he is fitter than he was as like a 23-year-old when he was running up and down the wing for us. I don't understand it, to be honest. Um, it's like Benjamin Button in real life. I thought he was fantastic today. Uh, it's a blow for Matty Cash to be injured and to not have him in contention. But for my money... Matty Cash doesn't get in our team at the moment. If it's a choice between Matty Cash and Ashley Young at right back, it's Ashley Young for me every day of the week. I thought he was excellent, particularly considering he was up against Gnonto. Don't know if that's how you pronounce it. The Leeds, the the Leeds winger, who is the exact kind of player that I hate Villa facing. Just direct, head down, run with the ball, take players on. I feel like he's exactly the kind of player that troubles. I guess a lot of teams, but particularly Villa. Um, considering very difficult opposition, it's literally he's literally like half Ashley Young's age as well. By the way, um, I thought Young was excellent. Was it three last ditch goal saving challenges from Young alone, plus the goal line clearance from Moreno, plus a bunch of saves from Emmy Martinez? Um, obviously, that shows that Leeds were creating chances. We've been over it. Like I didn't think we were great. We allowed them to control too much of the game. Defensively, though, particularly the last ditch defending, which unfortunately is sometimes what it comes down to. Excellent. Brilliant. The kind of commitment I'm desperate to see from Villa on a week-in, week-out basis. So 
you know, Jesse Marsh, I understand why he might say that Leeds should have won it, but not for my money at all. Um, but I do have to say, delighted to have won that. Um, just delighted to have won that, honestly. First home win since, I know it's not because of the World Cup break, it's not been that long, but first home win since United in Emery's first game in charge. Yeah, great. What a way to start weekend. Oh, exactly. And it's what, 13 um, out of a possible, I think, what, 18 points from Unai Emery's um, first six Premier League games as Villa Boss, which is mental to think about where we were six games ago to where we are now, pushing all the way up to 11th. Um, of course, Chelsea are struggling there in 10th, tied on 25 points. I think we're uh, six points off of Fulham, who are in six, which is just mental even to think Fulham are in six. No disrespect to Fulham fans, but it's just mental to see what a little bit of good team chemistry and a few good smart acquisitions can really do to a team with some positive momentum and when you ride that. But back to the Villa perspective, I do 100% agree with what you're saying Tom in regards to Ashley Young the man's just getting better give him another one-year contract already just let's not wait till the summer we we all know he has it in him he's it's just it's weird to see you look at Ashley Young of a similar age to James Milner ex-Villa it's just that it's that range of Villa players that have some have somehow lasted so long I'm not saying I want James Milner back at this point in his career but nonetheless it's it's great to see um the one thing I do want to know is Alex Moreno signed on Wednesday, 13 million pounds transfer to Villa from Real Betis comes on in the 10th minute. Luca Dean is having the worst week of his argumentally of his career, having more pressure coming in from a, a new left back edition. August Dietzen basically getting told you're injured. It doesn't matter. Bye-bye. Um, your basically assurances as a starting left back are now under pressure through injury even more. Moreno came on in the 10th minute, had a little bit of a shaky start. Of course, you can expect a few issues in terms of positional awareness and things like that when you've had one training session with your new club. But that last stitch effort to uh, block it right off the line, almost scoring twice. I think there was what the one that got blocked and the one he hit with the side netting. I mean, it's one hell of a debut from a left back, isn't it? It's very, it's very, very clear just from that, I think, why Unai Emery wanted him at Villa. I, I genuinely I think maybe, maybe other than coming on in a game where your team's losing like 4-0 and the home fans are on your back, like obviously that'd be the worst. Um other than that situation, I think it's pretty much the hardest situation to make your debut. Because, like you say, you only signed on Wednesday or whatever. It's not let's not overlook the fact that let alone him, you know, he was on the bench you don't expect to be called upon until 60 minutes, probably at the earliest. You expect to get a lot of time watching your new team from the sidelines before you're thrown into the action. Like he hasn't even seen, he hasn't even seen Villa play live. Often when you sign a player, you either have full week of training or something before you are on the pitch for the first time in a match, or you sit in the stands or you sit on the subs bench and you watch a new team play up close and personal, you get a feel for the atmosphere at Villa Park, like yeah, all these things. He had none of that thrown straight in 10, you know, 10 minutes in or whatever. No wonder he looked a little bit like a rabbit in the headlights early on, which I agree. I, you know, he t- took a bit of time to adapt to it, but I, I, I thought he was excellent. Certainly by the second half, um, I thought he was really, really excellent going forward. A, looks a real, real threat. Um, defensively solid as well. Clearly good. Clearly got. Um, clearly good. Good technique. 
very clear why you want what you know why we wanted him. And you know, when you, if you're looking at you talk about the sort of the English tax, you know, signing players from fellow Premier League clubs, I also think that there was a genuinely, I think there was a little bit of a Steven Gerrard tax when he was in charge. Where I don't know why, I just get the feeling that clubs knew they could take us for a ride a little bit. Like think about no disrespect to him. Think about, you know, 30 million for Danny Ings, whose value is only going to be has only gone down, as you would probably expect it to at his age, um, especially with him not playing every game. Um, Luca Dini, I can't even remember what he was, 20, I can't remember, 25, 27 million pounds, something like that. Um, Alex Moreno, 13 million. Looks an absolute snip, really. No, it's very small sample size to judge on, but I was very impressed. I, I saw I saw a lot more from him than I was expecting to see from him once he came on. Um, and it's that thing we talk about, you know, we've talked about, I think, on a lot of podcasts since Emery has taken charge. If Unai Emery looks at a player and says, yeah, he fits into what I'm trying to build at Villa, he fits, he's the kind of character and the kind of caliber of player that I want around, 100%, let's go in for those people. Because I just, like... He knows, right? He's the highest level of coach that we've had in my living memory as a Villa manager. Um, I think you have to back him in the transfer market, and based up based on the performance from Moreno on his debut, it's another tick. You know, it's a real tick in the positive column from his first transfer activity. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm really looking forward to seeing Moreno play more. I think it's a, it's a real shame for Dina to get injured so early and go off particularly as we've got a few injuries going around right now with Watkins going off as well um it's quite early to say it but I think Luca Dina might have just lost his job because based on that performance even if Dean is fit again next next game how you're really going to drop Moreno after that like how do you drop him after that oh it's excellent both ends of the pitch so yeah very, very encouraging, really. Um, and if that's a sign of sort of what's to come in terms of the profile of player that Emery is looking for and the way we're going to move in the transfer market under Emery, bring it on. Oh, absolutely. And of course, we, we should also state that it's only one game, only 80 minutes plus stoppage time for Alex Moreno in a Villa jersey. Let's not pretend he's the second coming, but it, it's, it's, it's Friday very night. Promising. Friday night, Cole. We've just won. We've beaten, we've beaten the dirty leads. Get carried away. <laughs> Yeah, you might as well. You are correct. But I, I think it also, it's impressive and it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works between him and Luca Dean as well. What happens there? And, and by no means is this the, the end of Luca Dean, I would imagine. But I, I think it's also the beginning of change. And like you've kind of referenced there with Danny Ings, you look at Luca Dean, for example, and what was paid there. And you could almost say, I mean, at the time, you'd probably say that neither were well, maybe you would say Danny Ings was a bit of a panic buy, but at the time we thought as Villa fans, they were brilliant pieces of business that, you know what, maybe they will work out with time. You never know. But right now, as things stands, it's another example of probably you would have to say more Luca Dean's case and maybe even Danny Ings, really. I would say if you look at Danny Ings' contributions over the last few seasons, it hasn't been too bad, but especially with Luca Dean, that looks like massively poor business at this point. And it also proves one thing, $13 million. I I know a lot of people are questioning why we're buy, buying another left back. Well, they're probably not doing so right now. But it also shows you don't have to spend ridiculous amounts of money. And I do preface that with all the links to uh, uh, 
Gunduzi now with what 44 million or whatever it's rumored to be. But uh, regardless of that, it does show there is value still in this market, and we don't have to spend the 30 odd million on every player to get to where we want to be. There can be some, even though 13 million is no small fee, and maybe it is today's um footballing world but it, it's a almost a cheap and cheerful signing if you will uh, but one man who is the cheapest and the cheerful of all signings is of course Bubakar Kamara how that man I, I hope they pay him whatever he wants salary wise because to get him for zero in any currency you want is absolutely mental. Let's go over some of his stats against Leeds. Of course, one assist on Leon Bailey's opener, uh, 80% passing accuracy, 67 touches, three or four tackles, one, eight passes into the final third, four accurate long balls, two blocks, one clearance, one headed clearance, six recoveries, seven out of eight ground duels, one, two of two aerial duels, one, as Mr. AVFC Stato says via Twitter, Rolls-Royce. Absolutely brilliant. Tom, your thoughts? It's unbelievable. Like, we talk about him every week. But how can you not? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a weird one today because I thought... Today's a weird game. I thought that we had... I didn't really think we had that much control in midfield today for large portions of the game. And yet, still, Bubakar Kamara... Rolls-Royce, it's it. Like I genuinely believe he is a... Well, I mean, he is. He's a Champions League quality player. It's evident already he's a Champions League quality player. And to have him in this in this midfield... I saw somebody say on, on, on Twitter during the game that if we continue to work with them and we build around them and we can keep them, which I guess is the main thing, the midfield core of Bubakar Kamara and Douglas Louise. That is a midfield you can build around for five, six, seven years. If you can keep them together, because they're, I think they're complementary players. They already have an understanding. One thing with Douglas Louise for me is that, sure, he's dipped in and out of form over the years. Playing him out of position for ages hasn't helped, obviously. Um, But one thing that Louise has for me, whether he plays well or he plays badly in a certain game, is he's, he's, he's classy. Uh, his technique, technically, is excellent. And he's also, I don't really know how to say it about Douglas Louise other than he thinks like a top-level player, which I think Villa don't haven't had that many of those kind of players. You know, Emi Martinez has it mentality-wise. Like, it's a nice way of saying that about Martinez that he's a shithouse, as everybody knows. But that's just a facet of it. Like, Mar- Martinez is one as well who has this mentality and this approach where he... Thinks like a big player, thinks like a big game player, thinks like a big team player, thinks like a big performance player. I think that both Douglas Louise and Bubakar Kamara have that. Like you've been able to see a few times, even before Kamara came, that Louise is sometimes te- teammates just haven't been on the same wavelength as Louise. He's a Bra- you know, he's a, like is a Brazilian international for a reason, you know. Um, now Louise and Kamara together, they've got a midfield. They've each of them now have got a midfield partner who is on the same wavelength and on the same broad spectrum of quality as one another. We've been un- we've been unbalanced in that regard for far too long. I just if we can keep that core together and build on them, it, it I genuinely think pretty much the sky's the limit for what we could achieve. And I just think, you know, um, Thanks again to Steven Gerrard. He's like that. He's like that toxic ex that everyone's had 
who like your relationship was terrible. You were really bad for one another. Things were going down, but he did one time buy you a really nice present for your birthday. Um, so thanks again for Bubakar Kamara because he is the gem in what I think is still a lot of work to be done, but what I think is a pretty neat team that Villa are building at the moment. Well, if you're ever going to wonder um, what Stevie G is doing these days, he's apparently being linked with the Poland national team job. So the uh, romance or whatever between him and Matty Cash is now confirmed. Um, all in all, though, I mean, Bubakar Kamara is our best player by far. And it shows what Villa have been missing for as long as I can remember. Y- you sit there and you kind of wonder, like you kind of mentioned, Tom, if they can build on this, whether that means Dougie Louise is next to him or moves further up and someone comes in like a Gwendouzi, for example, or whoever that can offer him a little bit more even defensive support and a little bit more ball distribution. I mean, I don't know. It makes me too giddy to think about. Let's let's wait and see if that does happen. But another man I do want to discuss is Jacob Ramsey. To be honest, I've completely forgot about Jacob Ramsey since he's been injured because of all the stuff that's really absolutely went upside down and then turned back around for Villa. But I mean, John McGinn has one hell of a battle to get back into this team, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I thought it was great to have Ramsey back. Um, it really was. I'm sort of same to you, like uh, same as you. I he once once he was back, it was clear that we'd missed him. I think, but I think the focus has been so much on Kamara and Louise building this partnership that um, Ramsey's absence has kind of gone under the radar a little bit. But I was very impressed today. Again, I just it's weird. I keep praising players. I didn't think we played very well, <laughs> like really, but. There weren't any, I didn't really feel like there were any individually subpar performances. I think, I think more than, I think it was just a general lack of control we had on the game and we let it descend into chaos too much after scoring the early goal. Um, But Ramsey coming back in, he has been growing in leaps and bounds over recent months, recent years or whatever. I think having seen him again now and having not seen him for a while, it's clear that he's worked on elements of his game. Um, he looks more well-rounded as a midfielder pretty much every time I see him. And it's really, really, really easy to forget that he's still so young because he's been in our team now for what feels like ages in footballing terms, but isn't really that long, right? A couple of years or whatever it is as a as a reg, you know, as a semi-regular slash regular player. He's still so young. Like he's so far away from his peak age as a footballer. And I think we've all become a little bit blase to how accomplished a young player, like a young midfielder we have on our hands with Ramsey. Um, He just has that driving, you know, he gets the ball, he drives forward with it, reads the game pretty well, links up nicely. Like if he can stay fit now and uh, play more games, I think he will be in more, a lot, you know, definitely in the 11 more often than he's not, even under Emery, although obviously the sample size isn't very big given his injury. Um, The idea of him fitting into that midfield alongside or in front or whatever of Luis and Kamara, like that midfield that you put all that together, that midfield, that midfield core has pretty much every attribute that you want from a midfield. Uh, yeah. I thought it was really, I thought it was really good. I'm really, I like, I feel obviously as a Villa fan, you go up and down a lot, like after the Stevenage game. I mean, I can't even say that I was like angry or whatever after the Stevenage game, I found it like m- m- sort of morbidly funny. Do you know what I mean? There comes a time in the FA Cup after seven years of not winning a single game where you just kind of have to laugh, particularly when it unfolds in such a ridiculous way. Um, 
But obviously, that was a huge low point. I know we all felt a little bit low after Lee, after Wolves, sorry, as well, for you know, not playing as well as we could. And uh, Bailey miss at the end. We'll get on to Bailey shortly, I expect. But um, after this game, to come away with a win from that and to see Ramsey come back in, to see Moreno slot back in so nicely, to see Mings and Konza play really well together, Kamara strut his stuff again. Um, there's a lot, there's so much to be positive about. And like this Emery project is going to be a work in progress for a long time. I think I said when we appointed him that I felt like it would be about 18 months before we saw any sort of like lasting change in footballing culture and philosophy and stuff. Um Hopefully it won't be that long, but like there are going to be ups and downs. But the, the key thing is as long as you're, you've got these building blocks in places and we're raising the level of our, we're raising the level of the players we have at the club, then you can't argue really. And I thought that ma- the majority of our players played well today. I do have to say as well, on the topic of Ramsey, I said, I think a lot of Villa fans get blasé about how good he is. Emmy Martinez, like he's a World Cup winner. We all know he's brilliant. But absolutely saved our ass against Leeds numerous times, particularly a couple of those saves. He made that one from Jack Harrison at the back post. I have no idea how he kept that out. Harrison should have scored, right? You know, you'd expect him to score in that in that situation. But part of the reason he didn't score is because Emmy Martinez is just such a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, so you look at it that way, like the spine of the team. Consider we've still got Diego Carlos coming back as well, hopefully next month, it sounds like. The spine, the quality in the spine of the team is there. And if we can just keep building, keep adding pieces around it, keep working on the training ground, we'll keep moving up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it, it's important to touch on Emmy Martinez absolutely saved our bacon today um, or this evening whenever you're, I guess you're listening to this. It won't be Friday, but it's the the fact that he even made that save. I mean, and I have to give all the credit in the world to Luke Ayling for that cross. It was a, a really well taken cross. And the fact that Harrison didn't score that still absolutely boggles my mind i mean there was a few other ones kind of coming as well that we thought okay here we go again but the fact that he's able to stand tall and have those cat-like reflexes it shows why he's arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world i I will not hear otherwise you know what he'll be linked with i don't know how many football clubs in the summer coming up if they really want him, it's going to be a stupid fee because he is absolutely brilliant. Like if I'm going to go all the way back to the relatively early days of my Villa fandom, I had Brad Guzan and likes of him to go from that to this is like going from an absolute, I shouldn't be too mean to Brad Guzan because the whole team was pretty crap, but it's basically like going to a very moldy piece of cheese to a really fine piece of Gouda or something like that. You know what those, when you have a, a nice kind of little charcuterie board or something yeah, with those really, really expensive cheeses. That is uh, Emmy Martinez as a whole. That's the, probably the best comparison I've ever had in my life. So I am taking that based on Tom's facial expression um, back to me at this moment in time. But the man's just brilliant. It, it's brilliant to have someone like him in goal, have that confidence back there. And I think the one thing, albeit Tom, we are almost kind of, going over this game like we've somehow smashed them even though we haven't it's just it's a win where we've definitely got away with it and that's how we feel about it but I mean he's just brilliant and I I don't know any other way to put it and 
when you look at the back four and at times it can be massively inconsistent. I mean, it's Emmy Martinez every single day of the week. The biggest gripe I have is not giving him the clean sheet. That's the biggest annoyance. Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, I think the thing, it's a weird truth for Villa fans to sort of wrestle with because we're not used to this situation. But the, the reality of Villa's situation at the moment is that we have one of the best goalkeepers in the world undeniably and we have one of the best central midfielders in the league certainly outside of the certainly outside of like your man cities um outside of the top four i think there aren't very many midfielders central midfielders at all in the league who are better than bubakar kamara i i like and when you have that as your spine and you see the evidence that mings and concer seem to be developing that level of understanding they had again a few seasons ago when martinez equaled the clean sheet record or whatever it was. And they had that fantastic understanding at centre-back. Um, when you see those signs developing, it's hard not to feel really positive. So I think even though we got away with the win today, which we really did, like we've already said, like those wins sometimes feel the best. And let's, I think, you know, there's no harm in being overly positive on days like today because let's save the negativity for whoever we lose to in the FA Cup third round next year or when we... You know, we're going to have unfortunate defeats between now and the end of the season in games we should win. We're going to win games between now and the end of the season that we probably shouldn't have won. Today's in the latter category, and I'm not going to lie to you, it's bloody fantastic. Let's talk about Leon Bailey here for a second. Um, I've definitely criticized him. Um, I know you're his biggest fan, um, as you've told me on numerous occasions. Um, No sarcasm there. Um, Scores the first goal of the of the game today first minute has a few open lanes the past two tries to go through the player loses it they go on the counter um of course then like i said it scores the goal um another instance where we're in our own zone and he gets by one gets by two and i think okay just lay it off and we'll break out tries to get by the third and then they go on another counter um and then has a a shot on goal emmy buendia tucks in the rebound two nil I, I don't I, I don't understand this man. I really don't. It's I get it's the prototypical winger and they can drive you crazy at one end and then crazy in a good way at the other. Um I just I, I don't know what to make of him. I really don't, Tom. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, I'm his biggest fan. Never never spoken a bad word against Arleon. <laughs> um he, he is. I mean, he's really frustrating. It's it's like it's. It, I think we talked about this before on a previous episode. It is part of it is just 
that he's a winger and by definition you are the player tasked with creating for your team like you're the one who has to take defenders on like obviously you're going to lose the ball quite a lot and it's that annoying thing as fans watching it particularly i get particularly probably fans watching it on the tv like we do from canada um you it's very easy to say you know oh, like you said beat two men if you just played the pass before you beat the third man you you you'd be setting up a goal it'd be fantastic but like the problem is i guess it's like he's when you've beaten two men when you're a player like leon bailey and you've beaten two men in your head you you know you 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 think you can beat the third man right and it's those it's those split second decisions that only the very very top level of player can make correctly uh 75 80% of the time on the pitch in those situations um bailey's not there yet for the decision making for me I do credit where credit's due though. Like I thought he was way better, way better against Leeds than previous weeks. I thought it was his best. I thought it was his best game since the United win um, when he was pretty scintillating, really. Um, really pleased for him to score the goal, particularly after how it ended in the Wolves game uh, with him crying on the pitch after missing that last minute chance and then having to apologize, which we've talked about like, Oh, um, Sad that he felt like he had to do that. Um, I was just really pleased with him today. And, you know, you can't argue with an excellent goal. Um, shout out to Ashley Young for the ball out of defence to start the counter-attack and then Kamara just striding forward, timing the pass to perfection, just lovely stuff. Um, and then Bailey creating the second goal again. Not 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 your sort of typical assist because I guess it's a shot saved. Um but still, you know, that second goal doesn't happen without Leon Bailey. What I was actually really impressed with uh, from Bailey against Leeds is once Ollie Watkins went off, because Watkins, we get, he gets a lot of stick, kind of understandably from fan. You know, it's frustrating when your striker's missing chances. But Ollie Watkins, like what he does is those lung bursting runs to close people down or the hold up play or chasing chasing balls that look dead or pressing the defense as they're trying to play out from defense and making it harder for them, winning the ball back, whether it's him who wins the ball back or he presses and he forces a loose pass. And then we get the ball back that way. Like all of that stuff that Ollie Watkins does. I thought Bailey did a really good job after Watkins went off of doing that, taking a lot of that work and putting it on his own shoulders. Um, He was full of running. Um, And I've seen a lot of criticism for Bailey's attitude from some people, which I never really think is fair. Like I, I, I criticize his end product and his decision making because I think it's there to be criticized. Like it's it's often lacking for me. Um, but I don't really think you can criticize his effort or his um, attitude or his mentality. Clearly wants to do well for this team. Clearly wants to. Obviously, he wants to do well individually, but he's visibly a lot happier when we're winning no matter who's scoring the goals or providing the assists. And I thought today was a good example of that. I know he did score and he did create the second with that shot, but just the running and the work rate and the pressing, it's that kind of thing where if you could just, like, of course, but if you could just filter out the poor decision-making and if you could just filter out the trying to beat the third man or you could filter out the miskicked the miskicked shots against Liverpool on Boxing Day when he had like three different efforts and miskicked them all. It's that he's that classic player. Like on a good day, he's such an asset to this team. And to like 
Friday against Leeds was really a good day for him. I'm like criticize him a lot, but I'm just I'm really really pleased for him, and I, I, I hope he can build on that. Um, obviously, I hope Ollie Watkins' injury isn't too serious. Um, but if Bailey can play like that, then he's a he's a real attacking threat for us over ninety minutes. You know. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the the best way I can put this, and I don't know if this is, again, a great comparison, but I'm going to try to put it out there so I can act like I'm smart. But I felt like Leon Bailey playing against Stevenage was like, it doesn't matter what country you're from, what area you're from. There's always that one kid that shows up with the really expensive boots on. They could be like $300, 300 pounds, whatever. Um, they show up to like, I don't know, it could just be like a, a pickup game or something like that. And they show up and it nothing happens. It, it nothing goes for them. And you just think, okay, they're 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 one of those people that I guess you could maybe even call a bit of a poser, not calling Leon Bailey a poser, but nonetheless, people get what I'm saying. Today, I, I'm not gonna say he was perfect, but I, I think the biggest thing with Leon Bailey is he has all the tools to succeed. I think the biggest issue with him is just kind of a little bit of that awareness of what's around him. Of course, there was one instance where he could have played Ings through um in didn't chose to do so of course the one where he tried to take on three got past two like I said and messed up with the third it's just I think it's just kind of a little bit of better decision making can go a long way in making him even better now the fact that we're actually giving him a string of games is probably the biggest thing and the most beneficial thing for him because we've been saying that ever since he's kind of had a string of injuries last season and being able to play through it now we're starting to see a little bit more of what he can do and I think that's kind of the biggest benefit and you know what, whether it does work out with him at Ville in the long term or the short term or whatever, or it doesn't, I, I think the more he plays, the better he's going to get. The more situations we can put him in to succeed is only going to benefit him. So, and the football club, of course, too. But I think, Tom, in regards to that, we will go to Twitter for our three word reviews because I know this is Tom's favorite segment on the Holtcast. Maybe I'll have him um come up with one for himself maybe i won't so i'll just leave him to ponder that and to uh to kind of have a little bit of a quick panic here as we do so uh, of course you can tweet us at 7500 holt post match usually the tweet goes out around five or ten minutes after the game so get involved have your say and all that good stuff as my dog is sniffing my microphone move please thank you very much um let's go to uh aaron field saying kamara equals goat um aston villa fr saying abubakar kamara amor uh jimmy carr saying abubakar bernard kamara uh jazz singh thankfully no olsen um just saying again saying hard fought victory Rich Castleton, Kamara is class. David Bladden, points are points. Let's go to uh, JGH UTV saying Bailey Buendia, beautiful. Um, Villabird, determined. Kamara Moreno. Um, let's see here. As Tom said early, earlier, uh, Nigel WV, dirty leads beaten. Um, let's go to, we'll do two more. Why not? There's actually quite a few of them here. So let's scroll down to the bottom to show some of those people, some love, um, Villa R2 scrappy three points. And, um, let's finish with, um, Villa chats, gritty deserved Debu. I think that's probably 
one way to put it. I don't know what the uh, title of this podcast is going to be, but that actually might be a decent contender. But Tom, I am going to put you under the hot seat. Shocker, if anyone didn't think that was going to come. What are what would your three-word review be? I think my three-word review of this would probably be build on this. Because it's not the best, you know, it's not the best performance at all by any stretch. Like it's pretty chaotic and we could have controlled the game a lot better. But to come away from three points, you know, to come away from this with three points and have a few good individual performances out there, really impressive debut. Um, I just think if we can like use this as a springboard, it's Southampton next, right? Like if, you know, if we can, if we can put a bit of a run together, we can fly up the table. We've, like honestly, we really can. You know, level. I know being level on points for being level on points with Chelsea is not the uh, not the prize that it once was, given their their struggles. But you know, I just I, I saw actually after after the game that uh, Villa's form over the last six games. I think there's only three teams who have got better form over the last three games. I think Arsenal, Newcastle, Man United. I'm off the top of my head. It's, I think I think that's right. We got better form over the last six games than Man City, Liverpool, Spurs, Brighton. You know, the, the the building blocks are really there. We talked about the spine of the team. We've talked also about not necessarily on this episode, but on previous episodes about the clear visible effect that Unai Emery is having on the training ground, on the on the on the match day pitch, on the way that we play. Um, there's a lot more, despite the cup exit. To Stevenage, there's a lot more to be promising about than there is to feel concerned about, I think, at the moment, genuinely. So if we can, you know, Southampton up next, I'm not saying I think we are going to go there and win, you know, it's like a predetermined outcome, but you've got to be looking at that game and you've got to think that is a game that we need to be going out to win. The expectation from Emery will be that we win that game. Definitely. If we can put together a little string of positive results now even some weeks that won't be winning some weeks that will be just avoiding defeat the way we did against wolves even i know wolves aren't the most illustrious opponent but we we didn't play very well we got away without losing it's those little things today we got away with winning it's those little things if you can put those together you'll find that you end up eighth or ninth in the table instead of 14th you know those are the margins i think a lot of the time so honestly i just there's a lot to be prompt there's a lot to be positive about i think really even though we didn't play that well yeah and actually just to kind of reference what you're saying about uh the last six games uh game since unai emery's uh came in as villa boss uh avfc stato coming in clutch once again i did see someone else tweet it i think out before maybe it was sky or someone like that um and outlet that put it out but regardless of that um out of the last six game, Villa are actually tied. Uh, 13 points. Arsenal have 13 from their last six. United have 12 from the last six. And so do Fulham and Liverpool as well. So, I mean, it does show what a good manager with good planning, good tactics, and just overall good philosophy can do to a football club. And yes, it is early days. Things can go awry at any time. It's not always going to be uh, smooth sailing. I mean, it is Villa. So if you are a Villa fan or a new Villa fan and think it's going to be absolutely smooth sailing, then uh, we do ha- unfortunately have another thing coming, or you do at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> but regardless of that, um, I also just saw something about, uh, was it the Castore logo or something like that was behind Danny Ings 
uh, when we were one nil up at one point. So someone put Danny wings. I just wanted to kind of mention that because that's kind of humorous, but uh, shout out to, I think it's, was it at boys Aston um, on Twitter? Um, I think his name's Sean. So regardless of that, it, it is good to see a little bit of humors um, out there on a Friday. We're not sitting here all begrudgingly annoyed, um, wondering what's next. And like you did say, we do have Southampton next Saturday. And then of course there's um, a break, which would be, I'm assuming would be for the next round of FA Cup ties that we won't be participating in, um, of course. But right after that, of course, then you have Leicester City and then Arsenal. I mean, really, we can pretend that going into the Southampton game will be easy peasy. We all know how things are never assured, especially as Villa fans and especially how the Premier League goes season for season. But at the end of the day, Tom, it is also important to to keep in mind we, we do have that positive momentum going, and Southampton are very much struggling. I'm not going into really preview this, but it, it, it's important to note that with the way we're playing right now, albeit at times it's not pretty, we are being very effective. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like the form, the form does kind of speak for itself because, okay, like we didn't, you know, we haven't played particularly well the last two league games, but we've got like, Leeds and Wolves we've come away with four points and we haven't we've played well from we've played well for maybe 45 minutes total from those two you know over those two games and to come away from four point with four points from those um as much as it sounds weird when you haven't haven't played particularly well it's a huge sign of progress like it's really important to put where we are now in the context of where we were even like three months ago which sounds like a long time but because of the World Cup, I'm talking like where we were sort of like seven or eight games ago. Like under Gerard towards the end, we weren't just devoid of confidence. There was no plan. Like I think we really need to remember what it was like under Gerard. There was no plan. Players didn't know what their jobs were on the pitch a lot of the time, let alone not really carrying out their jobs very well. Um and we we were just headless, really in terms of tactics and strategy and leadership, there was just nothing really there. So to now be at a point where even when we don't play well, we're pulling results out the bag, players are putting in excellent individual performances. Um, it is all progress. And what you what what you can't say about Emery's Villa, you can't accuse Emery's Villa of lack of imagination or lack of tactical preparation because compared to where we were it's chalk and cheese compared to where we were like eight games ago um there's gonna be teething problems they'll continue to be teething problems but we've got we've really got something to build on here and it's that it's that thing actually where like i'm not i felt this ever since we appointed emory it's not the second half of the 2022 2023 season that i'm really excited about like if that it's a bonus if we can do really well and we can get we can push for a even a euro like a europa you know, Europa Conference League place, push for seventh. If we can do that, fantastic. What's more important to me, honestly, is we keep showing these building blocks. We keep pulling results out when we don't play well. The times that we don't, the number of times that we don't play well reduces with every month that passes and we keep the core of the team together. I'm very excited about where Villa can be in three, six, 12 months time. And that's all we really want, isn't it? At the end of the day, obviously we all want immediate gratification, but after the Gerard reign and everything, like I just want to feel like Villa are on the up again. And despite the fact we didn't play well, 
that is I, I do that's really how i feel watching villa these days and it's just great 100 and um I, I think the one thing that we all have to keep in mind that is really the january window is going to be difficult to shift players and i think we can think of a number of players that realistically under unai emery are going to be shown the door here probably in the near the very near future or try to be showed the door of course we all know Augustine's loan is probably going to be canceled here he'll probably he'll go back to uh, Sevilla very shortly he's already been told that and Emery's confirmed that to the press um whether that's Coutinho being shifted now or in the summer there's going to be some difficult players to move so I, I think we're going to see the greatest amount of change here in the next really six months or so and like you said everyone wants instant gratification I understand that there's going to be some up and downs right now. We're riding a wave of positive momentum. And I think we have to appreciate that. There will be some tough times because again, there are players that are not going to fit this system, fit Emery's mold or expectations. Unfortunately, some of those players are probably going to have to play a part because again, we're halfway through a season. You can't shift a whole team or X number of players. It's easier said than done, but again, let's, patience and so far the patience has been paying off and I, I think that's the biggest thing but uh before we do go Tom I do want to discuss one thing of course it's happened a little while ago now but we haven't really had a podcast since but that is Cameron Archer is going to Middlesbrough or has already gone to Middlesbrough on loan for the rest of the season to be coached by Mr. Mr. Michael Carrick which again I just find Odd that he's a manager now, but that's how quickly things move. You're a great footballer, so automatically you move to be a, a a manager, apparently, at a decently ranked football club. But regardless of that, and the fact that Chuba Akbom has 14 goals in the championship, which just absolutely bemuses me because that is a name I haven't heard in ages. Um, I mean, it is a good move for Archer, you'd have to say, Tom. I mean, at the end of the day, too. He wasn't getting the game time. It, it's clear that he's not going to get the much needed attention that he needs at this point of his career this season. So why not send him out? We we know what he's all about. We know that he's arguably the prize jewel in the, um, I guess, was the academy set up at one point, but a, a graduate now. But what do you make of the move and really what his future is going to be like at Villa? I think, it's good. I think it's a good move for him. You know, like we know he scores goals in the championship. He scored goals for Preston, who kind of a middling championship team, didn't really create a huge number of chances, you know, didn't not particularly stand out to him. I think at Middlesbrough, he'll do very, he he, he has the potential, I should say, to do very well. Um, the main thing is just, oh, let's get, I hope he just plays. Like, I hope he plays, whether he starts every week or whatever, I'm not necessarily expecting that, but I just want all I want from Cameron Archer at the moment is for him to be in a position where he's getting game time every week and preferably scoring goals, which we know he will if he gets the chances. Like I know, I know we all. I was guilty of this as well, getting a bit high on Cameron Archer um, at the start of this like preseason and then at the start of this season, and we wanted him to be involved and whatever. Um, when maybe he should have just gone out on loan against the championship. But the, the thing about Archer is, this season is that what, what ended up happening in the first half of the season, Gerard kept him around and then never played him, was the absolute worst case scenario for, for a young striker who's scoring goals wherever he plays and just needs more game time to keep growing. Worst thing to do is to keep was to keep him around and not play him. So all power to him. I hope he plays... Hope he gets some goals. Um, 
sure Professor Unai will be keeping a close eye on him over the next few months. And to be honest, I'm very sure that Unai Emery is going to like what he sees of Cameron Archer. However, Archer's loan goes at Middlesbrough, hopefully it goes well. I'm very confident that come the summer, full preseason, I think Emery's going to really like what he sees from Archer. So it's it's going to be something, it's going to be an interesting subplot for us to watch over the next five months or so, that's for sure. Do you think that means that another attacker is coming in at some point this January? Like you'd have to, like, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter in that sense because Archer wasn't really featuring regardless. So, I mean, get a prized asset some minutes. That's first and foremost, the most important thing. But again, now it leaves us a little light. Of course, Watkins came off injured. I'm sure it's nothing massively serious, but at the end of the day, really you only have two primary strikers with uh, Leon Bailey kind of playing off them at times. But aside from that, we are pretty thin. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm not necessarily expecting us to sign a striker, actually. I think, you know, Emery's been, sounds like he's been pretty open from the stuff that I've read about wanting wanting to sign a winger this month, which I think makes sense. Gerard left, I know we all had various portions of our fan base had various concerns about Bertrand Traore, Anwar Al-Ghazi, Trezeguet, all these players. But what's not an ideal situation is being left with one winger in your squad. Yeah. <laughs> So it's obviously it's understandable that Emery wants a winger. If he can bring in a winger along the same lines of the profile of like, you know, Moreno and Kamara like that, those kind of savvy, but quite, but seeming, I know we haven't seen much of Moreno, but those kind of savvy, but seemingly quality signings. I trust him fully in the transfer market. And I think what will happen is we'll bring a winger in. Bailey will continue to kind of flit between out and out winger and kind of second striker, almost sent almost like a second centre forward at times. And I think probably if I was a betting man, I would say that between now and the summer, I think Emery's probably content with adding a winger and then having Watkins, Ings, and then kind of Bailey as an auxiliary striker as his three strikers. Um I don't think that'll be the state of play after the summer. I'm not expecting Danny Ings to be here at the start of next season one way or another, really. Um, but I think for now, Emery will probably be relatively happy with what he's got. I know that they're neither of them are an absolute top, top tier striker. But as we've discussed already on, on this episode, Villa have two top tier players for my money. Like if you're talking top tier that we all want to aspire, you know, we all want Villa to aspire towards. We've got Emi Martinez and we've got Bubakar Kamara. The rest are all, you know, we've got a good starting lineup with a couple of really great players in it. And I think Emery, the job now is just going to be picking and choosing, making the deals happen where they can for good value and things that make sense and gradually replacing some of those good players with great players. I think yeah. centre forward Emery will probably wait until the summer because we've had this conversation before, but like I know Ings doesn't offer everything in his game that you'd like him to offer all of the time, but he's got a pretty good goal record. Who are you going to get in January? Show me the proven goal scorer you're going to sign in January for a reasonable price. You know, I just don't really think that January is not a good market for anyone. January is not a striker's market. Um, like, look at he might do well there, but Weghorst going to Man United on Friday. Like, he might do well there. He's not a bad player, but it does emphasize that the Jan, Jan the January window is not a 
market that is kind to the buyer, particularly when you're looking for a prolific goal scorer. So, and Emery will know that, I think. Now that I've yeah. said this, of course, between this going, that's recording now and this going out on Monday or whatever, we'll pull a we'll pull a twenty million European striker signing out of the bag from nowhere. Well, you never know. As long as it's uh, better than Ali Samata, Ali Samata. If you're listening to this, I hope you're doing well. Uh, completely forgot about that name until it just came to my mind. But regardless of that, let's uh, let's call it a day. Of course, if you want to find it, Tom on Twitter, it's at TD Nightingale. Follow me on Twitter at Tocaston Villa. Tweet the team at seventy five hundred to Holt. Email the podcast Holtcast at gmail.com. We cannot keep it together because I don't know. Maybe it's a, a Villa win. Um, on a Friday evening and we feel delirious but nonetheless we'll be back for preview prior to Southampton and don't forget uh, the villa Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.